Hello, and welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through Chinese historical TV dramas. This is Karen. And this is Kathy. Today, we are discussing episode 12 of Hou Gong Zhen Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. And we definitely want to thank all of you who are joining us and listening to us on this podcast. We really appreciate all of your support. In the last episode, our main antagonist, Hua Fei, seems to be out of favor with Huang Sheng, the emperor. She bullied her remaining ally, Cao Guiren, to help her come up with ideas as to how to regain favor and in turn regain power as second in command of Hou Gong, the imperial harem. You'll also recall that the trio of friends, Zhen Huan, Shen Meizhuang, and An Ningrong have had success in the last couple of episodes in dispatching their foes, first with Yu Daying and now with Li Pin. Now on to our recap. This episode is set in the summertime, and you know what that means. Vacation. The Emperor Yongzheng, the Empress Huang Hou, Jin Huan, and Shen Meizhuang were enjoying some time together in the Imperial Palace, or the Forbidden Palace, when Cao Guiren arrives with her daughter. The Emperor, feeling that his daughter, the princess, has lost some weight, thinks that it's time for a vacation at Yuanmingyuan to avoid the heat in the Forbidden Palace. Think of it as going to the Hamptons if you live in Manhattan. They can't bring the full retinue of people from the imperial harem, so the emperor only brings the empress, Shen Meizhuang, Jin Huan, the mothers of his children, so Qi Fei, who is the third prince's mother, Cao Guiren, the mother of this princess, Xun Changzai, who also has a princess, and, in addition, Jin Pin and Duan Fei. Who is left out? Hua Fei and An Lingrong. Just in case you are confused as to the whirlwind of people I just named, we have yet to meet Duan Fei. But if I'm honest, that feels like he's bringing literally the entirety of Hou Gong right now. Well, upon hearing this plan, Cao Guiren immediately takes an elaborate gold hair accessory called a Bu Yao from her hair and dangles it in front of her daughter. The emperor is reminded that he gifted this Bu Yao to Hua Fei. Cao Guiren uses this opportunity to praise Hua Fei a little bit. The emperor, happy with this information, allows Hua Fei to go and come along on the vacation. The empress, Wang Hou, definitely knew the significance of the accessory before Cao Guiren said anything, and you see she's disappointed. Well, so are Shen Meizhuang and Jin Huan. As of right now, it's a done deal. Huang Sheng made his decision. Next, we get a brief shot of the entourage leaving Zijincheng, or the Forbidden Palace. Notice the yellow bannermen in the very front of this entourage on their horses. The yellow banners represent the emperor, and it is a nice little visual that they're there. We haven't really talked about banners in a few episodes, so this is still nice to see this show trying to be historically accurate. A few scenes later, everyone arrives at Yuanmingyuan, the old summer palace. We'll get into the history of this place at the end of the show. This is the first time our main character, Zhen Huan, has been to Yuanmingyuan, and she's taking in the splendors of this place. The eunuchs are telling her about all of the amenities that she gets, including a cooling fan and access to ice. 
which we discussed the importance of in the last episode. And I must say that I really like Jin Huan's coiffure right now, or her hair decoration, her hairstyling. If you've got the opportunity, definitely watch this episode. Jin Huan and her maid slash half-sister, Huan Bi, take a stroll around the gardens. And as they're walking, an unknown object falls from the sky, and the ladies go to investigate. Someone has shot down two pigeons with one arrow. It's actually kind of hilarious because even in this scene, you can see that the pigeons are clearly still alive. Well, a eunuch who comes to retrieve the pigeons responds to the inquiries of the ladies that it is actually the 17th prince, Guo Junyuang, who shot these pigeons down. Chen Huan marvels at Guo Junyuang's marksmanship and recalls that these two have not yet met. We cut to a scene with the Emperor Yongzheng and Guo Jinwang. Yongzheng comments that Guo Jinwang's archery skills were taught by their father, Kangxi himself. Guo Jinwang responds that the Emperor Yongzheng was taught by the best Manchu warrior in the land, to which Yongzheng brushes that fact away. He says, I was taught archery. You bonded with our father. He clearly favored you. That seems pretty harmless, right? But upon hearing this, Guo Junwang immediately gets on his knees to say, it's because of his favoritism that I am but a useless prince. Yongzheng stares at him for a second and lifts him up. He seems happy with the answer and dismisses Guo Junwang. This exchange was actually pretty dangerous for Guo Junwang. Yongzheng was jealous of his brother's favoritism. If Guo Junwang gloated, he would most likely probably have lost favor with the emperor right now, or worse, possibly his life. Our pancake face emperor shows no emotion in this scene, but the tension is there. Yongzheng, as we'll see later on, is incredibly suspicious of anyone trying to claim power. Luckily, Guo Junwang knows exactly what to say to gently brush off the comment and appease the emperor. He's one smart cookie. Immediately after this scene, we see another example of Yongzheng's jealousy. Chen Huan goes to greet the emperor, and somewhat surprisingly, Cao Guiyan is also there. Remember, she's Team Huafei, so nothing good can come from this encounter. Uh, and we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but Cao Guiyan isn't the prettiest person in the palace, but she is one of the smartest. We'll do a much deeper dive into this scene, so I'll move on quickly right now. But we find out that Cao Guiyan keeps bringing up the 17th prince, Guo Junwang, and is even openly discussing the initial meeting between Jin Huan and Huangsheng, the emperor. Remember, Yongzheng, or Huangsheng, or the emperor, pretended to be Guo Junwang the first time the two met back in episode 7. You see Yongzheng's face get darker and darker as Cao Guiyan continues to say things like, it is such a cute story that Huangsheng pretended to be Guo Junwang. Seeing the damage done, Cao Guiyan excuses herself and leaves Jin Huan to deal with an unhappy Yongzheng. Yongzheng, for some reason, wants Jin Huan to play the instrument on the table, the Gu Qin. We talked about Gu Qin in episode 9, um, if you need a refresher. Jin Huan just isn't able to play well, 
and Yongjung bluntly points out that something is on her mind. She's extremely nervous, so yeah, something is on her mind. He then asks the question that was basically like inceptioned into his mind from Tao Guiren. When did she fall in love with him? His face looks dangerous. Jin Huan has to do a lot of quick thinking, but she is able to get out of her bind and mollify him. Back at her quarters, Jin Huan is perplexed as to how Cao Guiren could have known about her story with the emperor. Jin Xi, her headmaid, is with her, and even she didn't know about the story until just now. The only one who did know is Liu Zhu, one of her maids from home. They conclude that she must have unknowingly let something slip while chatting with the other maids, and someone overheard the conversation. In any case, we move on to the next part of this episode. Well, in the last episode, Shen Meizhuang had the idea to achieve savings uh, or basically do some cost-cutting for the, um, uh, the palace by cutting palace expenditures. This includes food for members of Gong. Well, Huang Hu decides to implement some of these cost-cutting measures, not only for herself, but also for other high-ranking concubines in the palace, which includes Hua Fei. Hua Fei is also understandably upset and super pissed. She's so cute. She's like, there's no meat. All I eat are cucumbers. This doesn't look appetizing at all. We aren't paupers. Why do we have to live like this? And because she knows that it's Shen Meizhuang who decided to implement these measures, who came up with these ideas, she directs all of her wrath towards her. Shen Meizhuang and Jin Huan discuss the latter's recent encounter with the emperor, and they agree that Cao Guiyun is definitely not somebody that they should take lightly. Shen Meizhuang has come to the conclusion that for the two of them to have a place in the palace in Gong, they need to have children. Shen Minzhuang shows Jin Huan a prescription that she received from an imperial doctor that supposedly will help her get pregnant. Jin Huan is rightly suspicious, but Shen Minzhuang says she's already confirmed that the prescription has been cross-checked by other people and has also done research herself. And while unfortunately, Jin Huan's doctor friend, right, Wen Shichu, her childhood friend, just so happens to be out of town, so they don't have someone that they trust to check the prescription. But a new doctor conveniently just pops up. So Shen Meizhuang invites him in for a cup of tea to help her with uh, some of her questions. The other concubines of the Hou Gong are at the Empress Huang Hou's place. There's a lot of sniping between Hua Fei and Qi Fei, the mother of Yong Zheng's third son. Huafei snidely comments that the fourth prince is here, and the son of a lowly maid is already smarter than his older brother. A reminder on the fourth prince. He was born to a maid after a drunken night, and he's been left here at Yuan because the emperor does not want his son around um, as a reminder of his mistake. All of the concubines leave, and the young boy pops out behind Jian Qiu, the empress's headmaid. She turns around and sees that it's the fourth prince. He wants to greet the empress and the emperor, but he's gently turned away. Jian Qiu returns to Huang Hou and asks the empress why she doesn't raise the fourth prince or adopt him. Um, that is an option because Huang Hou does not have children. Huang Hou immediately shoots down that idea because Huang Shang, 
really doesn't like the fourth prince. There's no reason to do something that the emperor won't like. So the fourth prince is all by himself. Moving on, the ladies are all out enjoying a stroll, and Shin Meizhuang is singing praises of the new doctor uh, that we met in an earlier scene. They casually bump into Cao Guiyin, Tifei, and Xin Pin, a pretty neutral party. Cao Guiyin immediately jumps at the opportunity to invite Jin Huan and Shin Meizhuang to an evening together in order to apologize for her earlier comments. They have no choice but to agree. It's nighttime and the ladies have spent an enjoyable evening together. But Shin Meizhuang starts having a convulsing reaction to a certain soup. All of the ladies are worried. They ask her for her symptoms. She hasn't had an appetite for several days. Her period is late. She feels lazy and wants to eat spicy food nonstop. What does this sound like? She could be pregnant. Well, all of the ladies quickly call for a doctor. But what is that smirk on Taoguerin's face? She does seem to be a little bit more eager than the rest to have this doctor come check on Shen Meizhuang. The episode ends with the emperor and empress all rushing to Taoguerin's quarters to see what's up with Shen Meizhuang. The doctor performs his diagnosis and confirms that Shen Meizhuang is pregnant. Yay! Everyone is ecstatic with the news. Shen Meizhuang cannot contain her happiness, and it seems like all of her work paid off. So yay, we have a happy ending to this episode. Let's now dive into our analysis. Sure, so let's first talk about Yuan Ming Yuan. This is the old summer palace. It's in the northwest of Beijing, only about five miles away from the imperial palace. Construction began around 1709, and one of the gardens was originally gifted to Yongzheng from his father. When Yongzheng ascended the throne, so our emperor right now, he significantly expanded Yuan, including building palace quarters to hold court. Emperors after Yongzheng regularly vacationed there, and indeed his son Qianlong mainly held court here at Yuan instead of the Forbidden Palace. Emperors after Yongzheng continuously added to Yuan, adding their own touches here and there, and this summer palace was favored by the royals over the other summer palace that we know of as Yihuyuan. Yuan covered 3.5 square kilometers and had hundreds of structures, including pavilions, temples, galleries, etc. Yuan was once known as the Versailles of the East. It was once the largest museum and art gallery in the world, with many treasures, including full copies of Si Ku Quan Shu, or the Imperial Collection of Four, and Gu Jin Tu Shu Ji Chang, the Imperial Encyclopedia. There were over 100 bridges and gardens. Water was a major theme, and water made up more than 50% of uh, the, the space of Yuan Mingyuan. Many of the halls, pavilions, and gardens were inspired by traditional myths and legends. The architects also created replicas of famous landmarks throughout the empire, including the Xihu Shijin, or Ten Views on Xihu in Hangzhou, a city in southeast China. Notice how I'm using past tense here. Yuan Mingyuan, once the crown jewel of the Qing dynasty, was sacked during the Second Opium War in 1860. The French and British forces looted almost everything from the Summer Palace, 
Um, and you see a lot of those uh, priceless artifacts and jewels in various museums um, around the world. In 1873, Emperor Tongzhi tried to repair Yuanmingyuan, but there weren't enough funds in the imperial treasury uh, to fund the project. Yuanmingyuan was completely destroyed in 1900 during the siege of the international uh, legations, um, where eight countries uh, decided to invade uh, Beijing and completely destroyed Yuanmingyuan. The ruins are still in Beijing, and you can go visit them. You'll see the remains of various types of uh, buildings, and interestingly, you'll see some Western-style buildings there. These were commissioned throughout the years, um, and they were originally commissioned by Emperor Qianlong in 1747 and copied the Baroque style. Since 1996, there have been three large excavations on um, the site for research and will continue through to 2020. During its 150-year history, um, Yuanmingyuan was a beacon of Chinese architecture, history, and genius. There are efforts today to repair the place, but it's just too costly. Um, as you'll see, the drama obviously didn't film on location. Some dramas uh, do film for Qing Dynasty dramas do film on location um, for Yihuyuan, and it's very obvious when they do film at Yihuyuan where it is. Well, enough of history. Let's deep dive into the crux of the episode, Yongzheng and his jealousy, or should we call it paranoia? There are two scenes in this episode that show this. The first is with Yongzheng and his brother, the 17th prince Guo Wang, and the second is with Yongzheng, Zhen Huan, and Cao Guiren. We discussed the former scene a little bit, but I also want to say that one of the primary reasons, and we don't really talk about this in the drama, but it is understood for people who have uh, more knowledge of Qing Dynasty history and uh, dyna- or history of Yongzheng. Remember that Yongzheng came to power after a very bloody coup where nine princes all vied for power to get the throne. Because of that, he has been left to be very, very uh, suspicious and paranoid of anybody who is trying to usurp his power or his authority. What we do want to highlight, and uh, Kathy already talked about this, is that Guo Wang is incredibly, incredibly smart to make sure that he does everything in his power to make himself seem like not an idiot, but someone who has who is not a threat to Yongzheng and his power. He exactly. He has no ambition for being anything other than someone who likes to um, write poetry, likes to play his cell. He likes to. He wants to give off that persona, because otherwise, if Guo Jin Wang or if the Seventeenth Prince seems like he is too talented, he will most definitely be uh, exiled or killed by the emperor by Yongzheng because. He has done it because Yongzheng has exiled and killed many of his other brothers. What is preventing him from doing the same to Guo Junwang? That's just something to think about and keep in mind. So let's discuss the details of the latter scene with Yongzheng, Zhenhuan, and Cao Guiren while they were enjoying some time, some tea time. And this was when the 17th Prince was brought up again. 
Here, Jin Huan mistakenly brings up the pigeons that Guo Jianwang shot down and wonders where he is. Let's keep in mind that Yongzheng is still salty about the earlier encounter. Cao Kuyun is still okay at this point, and she peels a grape for Yongzheng, but he ignores it. I think she gets annoyed and directs her next attack at Jin Huan. She openly discusses what she knows about Jin Huan and the emperor's first meeting. That Yongzheng pretended to be the 17th prince Guo Wang, and that's how the two originally met. Cao Guoyin says that the two of them should really thank Guo Wang for their happiness right now. She says, Guo Wang's reputation precedes him. He's handsome and talented. All of the ladies in Beijing are mad about him. Jin Huan, you must have heard of his reputation. With this, the seeds of suspicion are planted in Yongzheng's mind. This is very dangerous. Did Jin Huan fall in love with him or his brother? Yongzheng is in his 40s right now, obviously not as dashing as his younger brother, who is, as we mentioned in earlier episodes, around his late 20s. Yongzheng refuses to let anyone usurp him, not even in his harem. Jin Huan can feel the emperor's gaze and immediately says, I was always at home before entering the palace and was sick for a long time after I came here, so I have never heard of him. That seems all right, and there's a moment where Yongzheng seems fine. But then, Jin Huan just had to say, Huangsheng's talents are unparalleled. Is this how you won the favor of the other ladies? Not good. This was a special encounter for the emperor, and she sort of just belittled this fact. Cao Guren knew that she had done damage and caused a rift between these two. And what does she do? She smartly says, I'm going to go. I think my daughter needs some more uh, feeding. So Jin Huan, in order to uh, protect herself, has to do a lot of quick thinking. Basically, we mentioned earlier that Yongzheng tells her to play Gu Qin, and she tries but messes it up, uh, isn't able to play as well as she would have liked. And basically, what Huangsheng asks is, when did you fall in love with me? Or when did you uh, start having actual emotions for me? And Jin Huan understands that if she said, I had emotions for you when I thought you were the 17th prince, she would be in big trouble. She's already seen how dangerous Yongzheng can be. He can put someone to death very easily without even blinking an eye. So here she was very smart and definitely says that I had, I started having emotion for you after you saved me from Yu Ying'er, the other concubine, as you'll recall, the other concubine who came in and trying to uh, say all these mean things about her. There was a very tense moment, but ultimately, Yongzheng seems to be appeased. It is a very, very uh, difficult thing to be in Hougong because you are literally at the mercy of how Huangsheng thinks of you at any point in time, and especially when you have an emperor, a Huangsheng, who is so suspicious. Both Jin Huan and Guo Qinwang had to be very, very careful in what they say. And unfortunately, someone who is as smart as Cao Guiyan can figure out what ticks off Yongzheng and is able to direct his anger to opponents that she wants. 
So that's why we say that Tawirin is a very dangerous person. Yeah, I will sing the praises of the actor Chen Jianbing who portrays Yong Zheng. He conveys so much without even changing his expression. It's only when he breaks for a laugh does it change. So during this entire scene, you can see like he's looking down, he's looking straight. It's really just like his eyes. You can see, you can kind of feel if he's pissed off or if he's uh, like suspicious. It's, it's really cool. Well, the last thing that I want to discuss today is our Empress Huang Hou. We finally have evidence of just how cunning she is and how she's always calculating, despite her outward appearance of serenity and poise. We see that twice in this episode. The first is the whole situation of cutting palace expenditures. Without missing a beat, Huang Hou orders the imperial kitchens to reduce meat portions for the ladies of Gong. She, Hua Fei, and Qi Fei shall lead by example. She then says, make sure everyone knows that it's Shen Meizhuang's idea. I don't want to steal her credit. You know, this seems nice, but with this one move, the Empress Huang Hou easily ticks Hua Fei off. She knows how spoiled Hua Fei is and likes her luxuries and puts this, shifts this blame all on Shen Meizhuang. Indeed, in the next scene, Hua Fei, uh, throws a hissy fit about eating cucumbers and directs her fury instead on Shimei Zhuang. The second example is Huang Ho's reaction to the fourth prince. We've heard so far that the fourth prince is an exceptionally bright and respectful young boy. It's not uncommon for other concubines and even the empress to adopt princes and princesses, especially if they don't have children of their own. Huang Ho does not have children, and her maid, Jian Qiu, suggests adopting the fourth prince. She'll have something to do, um, and it is an option. But Huang Ho quickly rejects the idea. The fourth prince is not favored, so there's no point wasting time on him. Huang Ho knows about the intricacies of Hou Gong, so she has to analyze every move she makes. She's the empress. She's basically making like a cost-benefit analysis for every move. As the empress, she has to play the long game and she must weigh every outcome. So she says no to uh, the fourth prince. When you compare her to Shen Meizhuang, Shen Meizhuang is still too green. Well, it seems like Shen Meizhuang got her wish because she is now pregnant. That is what every lady in the imperial palace hopes for. Somehow, Cao Guiren knows a lot about Zhen Huan, right? How? We'll learn what happens in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoy discussing it. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please email us at chasingdramaspodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to having you with us in the next episode. Thank you very much.